Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 76, How Science Happens. When you were in school, grade school even, you probably learned about the scientific method, and it was likely described as a very linear process. It starts with an observation, which leads to a question, which leads to a hypothesis, and then a test or experiment from which you can draw conclusions. In reality, it's more of a cycle, and in a way, you can jump in anywhere. The important part is that you collect data. And what that really means is you systematically collect measurable information, observations you can make with your senses, and often fairly sophisticated equipment, which are just an extension of our senses. Once you have data, you can answer any number of questions, and often more questions than you originally intended. And at its essence, you are trying to figure out something no one has ever figured out before. And in even a pretty simple data set, there are so many questions you can answer. And that's what I tell my students when we are 11 weeks into the semester and they are staring at a spreadsheet full of data they entered into it eight weeks earlier in the class before they really had any idea what was going on. I tell them, this is the fun part. I tell them, I don't know the answers. None of us do. Until we probe the data. And so they do. And they find some really interesting stuff. The data set we work with is collected at the start of the semester. We go out to the beach and survey the intertidal zone for biodiversity. We use random number generators to determine specific areas of the intertidal zone at a local gravel beach to survey. The numbers tell us our sampling areas or where to put the square meter quadrats we'll use to delineate our sampling zones. And once laid out, we team up and estimate the percent cover of different kinds of seaweed and non-motile or non-moving animals like barnacles, and then go on to count the organisms that do move, like periwinkles and crabs. Each lab does five of these quadrats, which are distributed randomly from the high tide line to the water's edge at low tide. And I have three sections of lab, which means at the end of the semester, the students have 15 quadrats worth of data to play with, and not to mention the data from the past two years as well. Our data are fairly simple. We only collected information about the most obvious and easy to identify organisms on the beach. A researcher setting up a study might go into it with some ideas about what they expect to find based on what they already know about the organisms or the environment. And that's called a hypothesis. A hypothesis we might have about the intertidal zone is that there will be more biodiversity the closer we get to the water, based on the idea that the organisms that live in the intertidal zone are fundamentally marine organisms. So the more time they're underwater, the easier it is for them to live, and there will be more of them. My students collected these data without any hypothesis in mind. It wasn't until much later in the semester that we asked them to take a look and see what questions popped out to them. Unsurprisingly, many students honed right in on that distance from high tide versus biodiversity relationship and found a generally positive correlation. The further from the high tide line, the more species or biodiversity. Others looked at different biodiversity metrics to see if there was a relationship with the type of substrate, sand or gravel or cobble, a trickier question to answer. And others looked at specific species and how they related to distance from high tide or to the abundance of other species. One of the biggest surprises of the semester was the student who compared the number of periwinkles found in morning lab sessions and afternoon sessions. And there was a clear and overwhelming difference. There are far more periwinkles on average present in the morning. 
who knew periwinkles were morning animals? The students formulated their individual questions, extracted the data they needed to answer the question, and created a figure that illustrated their findings. And the reality is, they all determined something that none of us knew before we started. The moral of the story, of course, is it doesn't take much data to have a good time or to do real science. This has been episode 76 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The show is produced on Wabanaki land. Did you know you can find this show as a podcast? Go to weru.org to learn more. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Siddhartha, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening and join us next week.